Everybody say glory. glory. No, no. <laughs> you got to put some sass on it, don't you? You got to say glory. glory. Isn't it a great word? In, in songwriting, there's this thing where there's these couple of words that are easy to insert into any song, and every songwriter will tell you that if you use those words, your song will just sound and feel better. So if you want any song to sound kind of groovy, you just add the word baby. It's like baby, baby, baby. Yeah. And in a Jesus song, like ones we write for church and that, hallelujah. 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 But sometimes, sometimes, if you want to write a gospel song, you've got to add the word glory. And I didn't grow up in that scene, and I wish I did. I was born in the wrong country, but it's okay. I've, I've come to terms with it. I didn't get to write gospel songs my whole life. I would have loved to have done that. But the word glory comes up over and over. And when you hear that word, it's kind of one of those onomatopoetic kind of words, isn't it? Just when you say glory, it feels, can you feel the glory? It's kind of, it's one of those words. You say glory and a, and a bit of an image and a bit of a feeling pops into your heart and your mind. That's kind of what glory does for us. But glory is one of these things that we use to describe our great God. Our great God that moves us to sing and to worship and to sacrifice and to give of our finances and our time, our time, our talent, our treasure, and to do crazy things like get baptized or, or get together and break bread and drink wine and say, this is, in, this is in memory of Jesus. We have all of these moments that are, we are moved towards because our spirit is moved by the glory of God. Glory is a wonderful thing, but it's almost impossible to explain. If you were doing your catechism when you were a young Anglican, anybody, what was the first one, the chief purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. There you go. There's some good kids in the room, good kids in the room. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. So our job, our task, our humanity and his divinity connected, our job is to bring him glory. So with every step, every breath, all of those things, I want to bring him glory because that's the chief purpose of my life. You wake up in the morning and say, what am I here for? That's what you're here for. That's what you're here for. And here's why that's encouraging, because what that means is you being here is not dependent on your job, your shoes, your talent, your looks, your Instagram ability, none of those things. It's just you are here to bring him glory. Congratulations, you win. You're a fantastic human being. Give yourself a pat on the back or a rub on the head if that's what you like. Actually, I think, I think in the end, you know, I just do this so that my, my daughter likes to sort of rub my head, which she likes because she's a texture person and so am I, so it works out well. It's your chief purpose is to bring God glory and, and enjoy him forever. So here's why we gather together and here's why we sing and here's why we baptize and here's why we take communion is because we want to remind each other of what it is to enjoy God. Because chances are through any given week, you have lots of reasons not to feel that enjoyment, not to feel that beauty, not to feel that grace, not to feel that overwhelming light that he promises us. Chances are you've got plenty of reasons to not feel, to not know, and not, not, not understand that kind of thing. And yet, the gospel teaches us over and over again that if we are to come to him, he will lift us, take our burdens, and he will give us that light, give us that mercy, give us that grace, and we can understand it, and we can know it. And that, my friends, is the glory of God. His glory is that we would glorify him, which is his glory. 
which is that we would glorify him, which is his glory, which is that we would glorify him. If you've got a a relationship that is really precious to you, and right now, it's just in that beautiful space where everything's working. Actually, if you've got one of those, put your hands up. We'll come see you for tips afterwards. There's this, there's this energy between friends or, or partners or whatever where, where you don't have to talk. And it just kind of works. And that's about one day a year. But, but it just kind of works, right? You, you know those moments. You're like, oh, there's this person. This is the best person. They just get me. They just get me. But it doesn't take much for that person to disappoint you, does it? It doesn't take much for you to suddenly go, oh, they don't get me anymore. They don't get me anymore. But we have a God whose chief purpose is to love his creation. And we are his creation. Well done. And our chief purpose is to enjoy him. And so here's the God thing. We have a God that gets you. And your job is to enjoy him and learn more about him, which will give you that feeling of, oh, I get it. I get it. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you know that over your faith journey, there have been challenges that have taken the what was a reasonable faith last week to an unreasonable faith this week. And then you learn and your faith grows and you get it some more. There is no end to mining the depths of God's beauty and his grace and understanding him. But we need to take a step. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So there's actually a step that we take. It's not just God says, I want to draw near to my creation. We actually have to step into his presence and understand him more. So what is glory? Glory is simply God's attributes that are infinitely greater than we can comprehend. So take love, take mercy, take grace, take any of those attributes and now multiply them infinitesimally. That's God's glory. It's something that we can't really comprehend, but... Through Jesus, we have access to. What an amazing thing. Glory has a weight to it. Everybody say kavod. Kavod. That's it. That's the only Hebrew I know for today. It just means weight. It means weighty. God's presence has a weight to it. His glory has a weight to it. It's, it's the kind of feeling, I, I describe it like feeling like, like I've got my feet on solid ground. It's like I've, I'm just, you know, yeah. Don't you love trying to describe God? It's like it's like a it's like a it's a wind, it's a fire, it's a it's it's warmth, it's it's God, it's his glory, it's infinitesimally more than I could even explain, and yet I can feel the kavod, the weight of his glory when I come into his presence. One writer put it this way when God's holiness goes public, it's called glory. John Piper's got some great talks on that if you want to see it. When God's holiness goes public, it's called glory. In other words, your testimony in public, we just saw some baptisms, we've spent some time singing some songs together, we've worshipped together, we've seen the public witness, the public display of Christians gathered together. That is God's glory manifest. Because there's no real reasonable reason to stand together and sing holy is the Lord. You think about some of the lyrics you've sung today, some of the scriptures you've read today, some of the testimonies you've read today, and you realize there's an otherness to them. It's not just practical decisions that people have made because two plus two equaled four. It's a journey in faith that steps into something that we don't quite understand but know we need. And that's God's glory. 
And that comes through being in his presence. And that comes by drawing near to him. God's glory is there for you to bathe in. When God's holiness goes public, it's called glory. Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. This is where a lot of, this is where a lot of people get that kind of idea that God is a tree and God is a fish and God is a wave. It's the essence of God, but it isn't God. It's God's expression of himself, his creation. And that's why the scripture actually teaches us to look after the earth. You're all greenies. Did you know that? I don't care what your politics are. The Bible says look after the earth. All the gardeners, you're doing the right thing. All the rest of us, I don't know what i got for that. But I'm trying. I'm trying to recycle my plastics. Use less of them. We're supposed to look after the planet because this is an expression of God's glory and so is the person sitting next to you, which is sometimes a little disappointing to us. No, no, not the person sitting next to you. The person sitting next to you is the sweetie. It's the person three rows back from you that's a bit odd. All the people sitting in the back row are really confused right now. <laughs> Can't go three rows back. Glory has a weight. Glory has a will. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So the will of glory is that you would use your will to give him glory. Are you getting what I'm saying? In, in other words, his glory is kind of infinitesimal and, and unexplainable and indescribable and all of those things, except that it's actually expressed in you just obeying God. And then we gather together like this and you're like, wow. You know when you're in the meeting and, the, and the, maybe it's the music or it's the testimony or something, but there's this sense of you feel something, then you think that everybody else is feeling the same thing? And, and you call it a vibe. It's the vibe. Some people would say God's presence fell. The Holy Spirit visited, arrived, those kinds of things. All of those things are just awkward expressions for we got it. Because he never went nowhere. The whole earth is filled with his glory, so he didn't go anywhere. So what is it that happens when we're in worship or we understand something of the greatness and the beauty and the wonder of God? We get it. And that's why we try to come up with these expressions like he visited, he arrived, God, you know, whatever. We just try and explain it. It's hard. It's difficult. But my goodness, is it beautiful. The beauty of God's presence is something that when you are amongst the gathering of the saints and you feel the beauty of God's presence, we are all lifted together. And there's this wonderful, it's like, it's like stopping off at the servo and getting your tank filled with faith. And so you, you gather together with the saints, you're like, we can do this. And then you go and Monday slaps you in your face. And you're like, it's okay, Sunday's coming. <laughs> glory has a will. And the will of his glory is to move you towards his glory. It's this beautiful circular idea. I love, I love this scripture here from 2 Chronicles. It's, it's actually one of my favorite uh, descriptors in the Bible. And so I want to read it to you. It says, it says this, the choir and the trumpets, and I, forgive me, I almost brought my trumpet today, but I decided not to. And you should be thankful. The choir and the trumpets made one voice of praise and thanks to God, orchestra and choir in perfect harmony, singing and playing praise to God. Yes, God is good. His loyal love goes on forever. Then a billowing cloud filled the temple of God and the priests couldn't even carry out their duties. <laughs> because of the cloud, because of the glory of God. 
that filled the temple of God. Glory has a weight. Glory has a will. It's the radiance of his holiness. And this beautiful moment happens after Solomon dedicates the temple. What had happened before that? Well, a whole lot had gone down before that. His, his father David hadn't been able to build the temple for all sorts of reasons. You go into the Old, his, Old Testament history on that. and The Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God's glory, what represented the presence for them, hadn't been able to be in Jerusalem, hadn't been able to be in the temple, and they were missing God's presence. And, 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 and finally, finally, after, after generations, they get to build this temple. And when, the, when they bring the Ark of the Covenant in, the whole place goes up in rapture because there's this feelings, there's this sense, there's this understanding that God's presence is finally with us again and they get excited about it and then trumpets blow and strings play and choirs sing and a cloud descends and the priests can't even get on with what they're supposed to do even though they're the ones that are supposed to get that feeling every day of the week. God's presence is bigger than any of us. No one has more access or less access to God's presence. We just have access. But when, he's, when the weight of his glory fills the place that we're in, it should move us, usually to our knees. Because when there's that weight on your shoulder, when, you, when you're trying to suck in all that you feel, <laughs> I've got nothing else. I remember as a, as a young man, and I, I, I've always loved being in worship services and going to big, big events where there's thousands of Christians gathered in his name. And I was at this Youth Alive thing. Anyone ever been to Youth Alive? Youth Alive's kind of fun. Youth Alive's kind of cool. We did it the best in the 90s. You guys are doing okay now. We filled Rod Laver Arena. Yeah. And I remember going there this one time, and as you know, when you're 14, 15, the most important thing at Youth Alive is to look good so the girls notice you. Was that not the point? Sorry, missed it. Uh, I remember I had this worship time, you know, singing away, and I felt this, like, weight on my shoulder. And you know those moments where you go, get lost, God? No, you wouldn't do that. I felt this conviction happen that said, get on your knees. And I had a little chat with God because I'm 14, and I'm wearing my best denim jacket and my cons. He says, I was like, no, because people will see me. People will see me. What happens if they see me? And it's like, you know when God ignores your questions? Because that doesn't matter to him at all. God's glory is his holiness on public display. There was this beautiful moment where I finally went, okay. And I fell down on my knees and it was just an intimate time with God. And you know what I realised? Nobody cared. Nobody said anything. Nobody thought it was weird. It was just me spending time with my God. And enjoying his presence and understanding that his glory was there for me to actually dwell in. What a phenomenal gift. And I, and I got a chance to, to be with a God who got me because everybody knows <laughs> that teenage years are not the easiest. And how often do we feel like nobody gets me? 
And I'm raising teenagers right now, and all I want to tell them is, I love you, Jesus loves you, it's okay, you'll, you'll get it eventually, you know. <laughs> I want to encourage them, but we've all just got to walk our journeys. But here's the beautiful thing for all of those who are still growing up and still wish they were 14, 15, those lessons never stop being learnt. They never stop being learnt. We need to understand that we have a God that gets us. God's glory is the radiance of his holiness. That's what it is. His glory is the radiance of his holiness. What's his holiness? His holiness is his righteousness. If you guys ran around and around, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to get it. All you need to know is that you are his creation, created in Christ Jesus, perfect, made perfect in every way, in every way, in every way. And so he knows you and he sees you and he knows, he knows every step that you take, every hair on your head, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He is the God who loves and cares and lifts you up. He is that God and he gets you. Whether you get him or not, he's like, that's all right. I'll show you some more of me. As you walk along the river and you see the creation, as you judge someone, on first impression and then you get to know them and you realise the complexity and the beauty of how they're made up. As you, as you meet someone who speaks another language than you and you've got nothing to communicate with, except if you sing Amazing Grace, they sing along. I met an Iranian family many years ago in church and uh, it was the early days of Google Translate and so I had no chance. They just arrived and there's a whole lot of stuff going on in their world and and uh, we tried to use Google Translate to have a conversation. <laughs> it didn't work. But they understood that I love Jesus and I could tell them about the love of Jesus and that's what we connected over. And years later, we're still friends and have been on a journey with that family. God's glory has weight. God's glory has a will to it. And when we understand that will, we come to worship in the presence of his glory. So when I say glory, and that beautiful, I'm just going to say it again because I like the word, that beautiful onomatopoetic word, gives you that sense of the beauty of God. I want you to grab a hold of that in those days when you're not feeling anything else that's useful. <laughs> The mornings when you get up and say, I'm not good enough and this isn't working for me and there's too much sadness around me and too much grief. I've been working with several families in the last couple of weeks that are going through grief that I genuinely cannot comprehend. I, I, can't, I can't get my head around it. I can't get my head around how they're still standing, how they've still got faith, how they still say God is good and good all the time. But it's because they've walked with him so long that they understand his glory and his presence and the will of his glory and the worship that happens in his glory and the weight of his glory that they're okay with it because they've walked through valleys before and God's got them through. And that's why we gather together as saints and that's why we speak to each other and that's why we sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and that's why we say he breaks every chain because he does. Even though right now it may not feel like that in your current story. We know the end of the story has already been written and he's given us freedom. 
Moses in Exodus 34, 35, there's this beautiful image that we get of Moses, of the cloud descending, and Moses would go into the temple, go into the tent, I should say, the tent of meeting, and he would come out and his face would be glowing. Why? Because he had been in the presence of the Almighty God and he had to put a veil over his face. I love that image that we would actually shine brighter if we stood in the presence of God more often. Jesus in uh, Luke 9, there's this amazing moment where he takes the disciples up a mountain. Uh, Peter, James, and John are there with him and and, and, and he's transfigured in front of them and the glory of God falls like a cloud and his face is bright and the scripture describes it as white as anything, you, any, any bleached, like it's, it's, it's white. It's like, the, it's like the writer is trying to say, it was whiter than whiter than white. It was glowing. It was translucent. It was, I don't know, but the presence of God was all over Jesus and we understood finally who he was. The weird thing about that particular moment is that they came down from the mountain and Jesus said to them, hey guys, don't tell anyone about this, all right? I love that the writer put that in there too. You can read that story as well. But you become what you absorb. You are what you eat. You reflect what you stand near, yeah? So why wouldn't you take the time to dwell in God's presence more often? Why wouldn't you take the time to accept the glory that he has given for us? Why wouldn't you take the time to let his glory go on public display so that it can be seen by the world around you? So that when we baptize, we give testimony to the goodness of God. And when we sing, we fill our lungs with air that he provided in the first place to give praises that he asked for. And then we feel we feel amazing for it, that we would share our, 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 our food, that we would share our homes, that we would share our... Why would we do any of that? Because we have a God who gets us and gets the plight of humanity and wants us to understand that his glory is there for all of us, his kavod, his weight, the weight of who he is that would hold us in those moments where we're shaking. As the band comes, I just want to share a couple little scripture portions with you and I think these might be on the notes in the app, but here it is. Because I can't, I mean, I've tried. But I can't really describe his glory. All, all I can tell you is, is that when, when, when I sense his glory, I feel changed. I feel better. I feel like a more useful human being. I, f- I feel like I'm not trying to give you any, any of the justinness, the, the ugly part of me, because, you know, we've all got an ugly side and we've got a sinful side and there's stuff that we don't want other people to know about and there's plenty of stuff. But you know what his, his glory does and his presence does? He says he covers us. He's not there to expose us and make us feel nervous about what if people finally, what if people realised I was faking it this whole time? What I've learned about being growing up Being growing up, that's not a thing. Still doing it. Everyone's faking it. We're all just trying our best. Everybody gets to work and goes, I'm sure I knew how to do this job yesterday. It's okay. It's okay. And if you've just been trying your best and you feel like you've just been dragging yourself along the floor, it's okay. Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel no evil for his rod and his staff comforts me and they protect me and prepares a table for me in front of my enemies and surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. 
Psalm 29.3 says he is the God of glory. Psalm 24.7 says he's the king of glory. Psalm 111.3 says his deeds are glorious. Psalm 19 says the heavens declare his glory. Psalm 145 says we speak generation to generation of the glorious splendor of his majesty. Isaiah 12.5 says he has done glorious things. Isaiah 6.3, the whole earth is full of his glory. Luke 2.14, the angels sing glory to him. 1 Corinthians 10, the, we do all that we do for his glory. Isaiah 48, God will not yield his glory to another. John 17, that we may be one. Jesus prayed for us that he, we would give us the glory that God the Father had given him. Revelation 4, he is worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Revelation 21, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine for the glory of God gives its light. Romans 3.23 says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 8.13 says, but he who justified also glorified. So if you like the idea that God's glory is available to you, then you can give him praise, can't you? Can't you? Can't you? All have fallen short of the glory. What he's glorified is also justified. We have a God that gets you. I reckon that's pretty good news. If you haven't felt the weight of his glory for a while, can I suggest to you, it's not because of the church you're going to or the life group or the other spiritual practice thing you've got in your diary. James 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's it. That's the whole goal line. In, in the last couple of weeks, we've been cheering the Matildas on and saying, go for glory. And I get it. Go for glory. They came home glorious victors. No, they kicked a soccer ball through a net thing. Into a net thing. And I love sport like you do and I've been riding the wave and it's been fun, but it's Nothing compared to God's glory. Take all of the beauty and all of the wonder and all of the excitement and then multiply it infinitesimally and then you're getting close to what God's glory is and God's glory is there for you and his presence is there for you and he gets you and it has weight and it has will and it moves you to worship. My friends, my plea for you is that you would be obedient to the tap of the Holy Spirit on your shoulder, the dove that rests. And you wouldn't worry about the external for just a little bit longer. And you'd trust God with your life. And you'd let his glory fill your world. Father God, thank you for your glory. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for all that we don't get about you. We're learning every single day. Lord, reveal more of, a, more of yourself to us. Let us know your glory. Show us your glory. Thank you that you have made the way open for us. In Jesus' name.